Welcome to the Autism Classroom Resources Podcast, the podcast for special educators who are looking for personal and professional development. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Reeve. For more than 20 years, I've worn lots of hats in special education, but my real love is helping special educators like you. This podcast will give you tips and ways to implement research-based practices in a practical way in your classroom to make your job easier and more effective. Welcome back to the Autism Classroom Resources Podcast. I'm so glad that you've decided to join us today. And I, in this series of episodes, I'm doing my best to break down all the many issues that are facing us in both distance learning and returning to the classroom with COVID-19 mitigation strategies into digestible, actionable tips that you can use. And this week, I'm focusing specifically on the online learning in face-to-face video conferences with students. Online learning for students in special education, especially those with autism or significant disabilities, can be tough. Being engaged face-to-face in the classroom can prove a challenge for some students. Learning to attend to a teacher on a screen and engage in instruction online can be even harder. Now, in episode 31, I talked about how to organize and manage distance learning. And typically, distance learning is a combination of online or synchronous instruction and offline or asynchronous learning. And think of it just like when students work directly with the teacher, work with the para, and work with their own. Their own work would be the asynchronous component. Now, face-to-face video conferencing obviously allows you to interact in real time with your students, and it allows you to do direct instruction online. And you can check in with your students and you can check in with your families to continue to build the strong relationships that we know are part of successful distance learning and really any learning. But it can be difficult to try to keep the students engaged in online learning. Many haven't learned to attend and follow directions from someone who's not in close proximity to them, so not right next to them. Some of the students have a limited attention span for in-person learning, making keeping their attention online more difficult than it would be in the classroom. And many teachers struggle with online face-to-face sessions. Some feel more like they're performing rather than teaching, although I would argue that teaching is a little bit of performing anyway. Others are aware that family members who support the students are watching, so that makes them nervous. And finally, some just have a hard time considering what and how to teach in this format. So with all of that in mind, today's episode focuses on three specific tips that can help you to get over your frustration and make online learning work. No, distance learning is not for every student in the same way, but in this extraordinary time, it can work for more students if we work at it and figure out how to reach them. This actually comes directly from a training for the Special Educator Academy, which you can find out more information at specialeducatoracademy.com, and I'll make sure that link is in the show notes below. And you can find a written post with pictures and a PDF transcript for this episode at Autism Classroom Resources slash episode 48. So let's get started. So tip number one, not surprisingly, if you have followed me for any amount of time, 
is to use visuals in online learning sessions. And I think we need to really increase our use of visuals in distance learning. Students are anxious and situations are unfamiliar. Increasing visuals decreases anxiety and clarifies expectations. Routines are different. The physical space isn't giving them cues about what activities the students should engage in. So for instance, he might be in a group Zoom session but he isn't sitting in a group, he's sitting by himself. So visuals are going to help that student to know what the expectations are of your online activity. And there are two areas to start with with visuals in an online learning session. The first is classroom rules. Just as you do in your physical classroom, online classrooms need rules too. And I can tell you that my doctoral students, when I used to teach online, needed clear expectations of when they needed to be in class and what behavior was expected during the online classes. So there's really no reason to think that our students wouldn't need this guidance too. And whereas I could put my expectations into writing for my doctoral students, our special ed students probably will need pictures with the words many times. We want to state the expectations positively of what they should be doing during the session. Um, and I have some online rules in my Teach at Home Teacher's Toolkit, uh, and I'll make sure those links are in the blog post as well. But you want to make sure that you're reviewing the rules at the start of each online session. Remind students what behavior you expect from them. And if you're using a reinforcement system, tie it to following the rules. So for instance, review all the rules at the start of your session. And at the end of each activity, review whether or not they followed the rules and provide reinforcement if they did. The second area for visuals are schedules. Now we all know that visual schedules are key for our students with autism and many of our other disabilities as well. If we use them in our classrooms, we need them more when we're teaching online. So make a schedule of the activities that you will complete online with the student. So the student needs a schedule across this whole day of working at home, but he also needs a schedule of what you're going to do in that specific session, something we might call mini schedules in different situations. Show them the whole schedule at the beginning of the activity. And then as you go through the activities, either check them off, take them off the schedule, and show them the visual for the next activity. You can send visual supports home too that students can use to follow along with their schedule. And you'll get bonus engagement if you prepare your schedule, but ask the students to show you what's next and show what's next on their visual schedule. So that is something that can help to get them engaging with you. For your copy, you could use your regular visuals that you used in your classroom, Velcro to a clipboard, Velcro to a stick that allow you to hold them up and actually just show them on camera. That's a really easy way to do it. You don't have to worry about sharing screens or any of that. You could also use digital schedules um, that you use in Google Slides and put them on the screen. And I've got an example of that in the blog post as well, uh, as well as a link to some that I've made. Tip number two is to use high affect. And that seems like kind of a weird way to put it, but you want to over emote when you're teaching online. When you're teaching students online, you want to be a little bit more dramatic than you would normally be. If you teach preschool or kindergarten or other young children, you probably get this because you probably do it in the classroom. 
In short, there isn't much room in online instruction for subtlety because it's harder to get emotion across and your students really need to see your enthusiasm and your emotion for interacting with them. That's part of building that engagement. Now, it's easier, obviously, in an online session than by email or by print, but the tone of your voice is going to carry a bit more weight in online instruction than it does in real life, so you really want to beef it up. You also want to make sure that you have longer pauses and more encouragement in online. Often there's a delay in video conferencing. So while we wait expectantly for students to respond in the classroom to really build that independence, and I've got a link to a blog post I've written about that and what that means before, we need to wait longer on video. So in general, your facial expressions might be a little bit more exaggerated or an emotion in your voice that would make it a little bit more pronounced is going to be really important. Uh, I had a teacher refer to it when she was watching me as channeling my inner preschool teacher. Obviously, you moderate your tone and affect depending on the needs of your students. Some may be overwhelmed by too much emotion, but in general, give them more time to process and give them a bit more emotion to make it really exciting. So really make sure that your vocal tone is giving them that information. Tip number three, start with something fun. The biggest part about boosting engagement in online learning is hooking your students into the session. And that means starting each online session with something reinforcing or fun. There's a number of ways that you can do this. You can start with a reinforcing activity that the student really enjoys. So for young students, maybe you start out by blowing and popping bubbles and they can watch. For older students, maybe it's checking out a favorite website on a shared screen. You could also have students do show and tell to start out. They could show off their pet or something that they made at home. And this would be really great in groups to work on turn taking and listening to others and letting kids kind of show off what something new that they don't usually get to see in a classroom. You could also start out by playing a game. I like to play a game that includes some kind of motion or social interaction because those are both areas that I think our students doing distance learning and even in the classroom this year are really going to need more of than most years. Possible games might include Simon Says, Mother May I, If your student can communicate using 20 questions, doing I spy to work on language skills, guess who? You could play hangman. You could play a game I call stop and start. And that's generally where I turn music on and off and I have start and stop signs. And when the music starts, they dance. And when the music stops, they have to freeze. And I pair the music with start and stop signs. And you could also have a student who's in charge of sharing the start and stop signs. Uh, in doing this group. It's a good way to work on executive functioning of learning to stop and start and control some of that impulsivity. It's also really good for getting them to attend to what's happening on screen. I also really love to use bingo because you can use it in so many ways. It doesn't have to be long. You can play if you're doing a one-to-one or you could play in a group. So I've got a set of bingo cards in my store. They're very short, so they only have nine cells with a free space. One is exercise bingo, the other is kindness bingo. And I designed them specifically for this purpose to be a brief game you could play. Um, I use an online spinner 
you can set it up. I've got a link to that in the blog post. And you can put the exercise or the kindness options into the spinner. But you could also just cut up a card and draw them from a box or a hat. And then you've got the visual to show them as well. So in exercise bingo, there's just eight exercises that they have to do. Um, and each card is different. There's five different cards. And these are done in Google Slides and in print. The teacher will call out the exercise, and if the student has it on their card, they have to demonstrate it. But you could also do a version where you say, okay, we're going to do three of the next one I draw, and you draw something out, and they have to do three jumping jacks or three wall push-ups. And I chose exercises that they could all do in front of the computer, so they're not running laps and things like that in the house. So in kindness bingo, the student, the teacher calls out the kindness option and the students have it on their card. They can do one of two things. They could give an example of something they did that was kind to someone in their family or something that they plan to do that's kind. So if the card was share with a sibling, students would need to recount a time that they shared with a sibling or how they plan to do that later that day. And I'll make sure that the link to the bingo is uh, in the blog post at autismclassroomresources.com slash episode 48. The biggest key to boosting engagement in online learning is to make sure that you're pairing yourself and family members who may be facilitating with reinforcement. You want to find some things that work for your students. Some of them may not work for others. So you want to be personalized in that respect. So let's just go over these three tips. One, you want to use more visuals to structure your expectations and your session time. Two, you want to increase your affect and exaggerate on that drama just a bit. And three, always start your session with something fun. It doesn't have to be long, but it does need to be interesting and engaging to the students because once you get them hooked, it's much easier to move into the other parts of your session. I hope that gives you some good ideas of things that you can start with when you're puzzling about what to do with online sessions and keeping them fresh and fun. There are tons of other things you can do, like have a crazy hat day, have a team sport day, um, those kinds of things that may make it more engaging for kids to come to the online session as well. Thanks so much for joining me. I'd love to hear your experiences and ideas for online sessions. So if you're an educator, come join our free Facebook group at specialeducatorsconnection.com and answer the three questions and we'll be sure to let you in. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd love it if you'd hop over to iTunes and leave a review uh, and make sure that you subscribe on your favorite podcast app. I will be back next week with another three tips. I hope to see you then. 